Today's podcast is with Sean Cooper, and Sean Cooper became famous when he paid off his mortgage at the ripe old age of 30 years old. He bought the house when he was 27 in Toronto, paid off the mortgage by 30. In this podcast, he shares how he did so, and then how he wrote a best-selling book called Burn Your Mortgage, where he teaches Canadians how they can do the same thing and achieve financial freedom through that method. And then Sean then leveraged this best-selling book to become an independent mortgage broker. So he's just got a really cool story of how he used a achieving financial freedom to now create options in his life and is now living life on his own terms. And if you're interested in living your life on your terms, we have an event coming up on Saturday, February 11th at the International Center in Mississauga, all on this subject. It's called the Your Life, Your Terms event, and it's jam-packed on a Saturday morning with quality speakers and information about how you can live life on your own terms. We have Tom doing a global macroeconomic update on how the entire macro landscape is affecting us in Southern Ontario as local real estate investors and interest rates. Nick's doing a local real estate market update on rent trends and cash flow numbers and trends with single family homes and condos and everything we're seeing in the local rental market in the past three to four months. Uh, Ali and Omar from Tahini's Restaurants, are these guys are amazing. They have a credible story of how they came to Canada as immigrants and have built a shawarma empire of over 20 plus shawarma locations across Southern Ontario. They're sharing how they're living life on their own terms, how they built this amazing business, the amazing marketing they're doing. They've got like 400,000 uh, subscribers on TikTok and they are a shawarma business. It's crazy what these guys are doing and they're sharing it all at this event. Greg Foss, who's been on the podcast a bunch of times, is sharing everything that he knows about the bond markets and credit markets and what we need to watch out for and be aware of and how it's affecting interest rates and everything that we need to know about fiat currency and the Canadian dollar and how it's all being impacted. He's sharing his analysis at the event. This stuff is really important uh, for the real estate market. He's sharing how it impacts us. Um, Craig Race from Lanescape is sharing how he uh, petitioned with the city and created this uh, laneway housing opportunity in Toronto and the opportunity it's created for investors to create backyard housing and laneway housing and gardens suites in Toronto and now surrounding areas this is being impacted too about how to do this type of stuff. He's sharing everything that he's learned and all the opportunities available to investors that nobody's doing right now. He's sharing this type of stuff at the event. And then Dan Patton from BM Select Mortgages. He's talking about the latest rates and financing and mortgage trends and, and how rates are being impacted right now in Canada. He's sharing all that. Everything mortgage related, he's sharing that in his update. So this event is jam-packed with information, not to mention all the networking that that you get. There's going to be 800 to 900 people out at this event, most of whom are active real estate investors in Southern Ontario, all sharing strategies, what's working for them, what's not working for them, you know, cash flow numbers they're getting. Um, just how they're navigating the higher rates right now. All this stuff is so important to surround yourself with other people who are taking action, who you can feed off of. If it's a tip, a golden nugget that you learn, a strategy, a connection you make, your network that expands, or just the energy that you leave these events, it's truly something special. And it's just incredible what happens and the energy you get when you get 800 to 900 people all seeking one thing in the same room, which is to live life on their own terms. So that's coming up on Saturday, February 11th. It's available. Rockstar members get in for free and can bring guests. If you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you can still register for this event. You can check out all the details at yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. There is a small fee to come to the event if you're not a member, but you can check out all the details there. So with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. 
It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so we are live with uh, Sean Cooper, author, uh, now independent mortgage broker. And Sean has a very interesting story. He strikes me as someone who's always lived life on his terms since I've known him for probably about the last four or five years. And uh, Sean's big claim to fame here is this book and his story behind this book. The book is called Burn Your Mortgage, The Simple, Powerful Path to Financial Freedom for Canadians. So Sean, what is the Sean Cooper story? What's all this stuff about burning your mortgage? What is all this? Well, thanks so much for the great introduction, Anthony. Well, should I start at the beginning, I guess? Then? Yeah, let's start right at the very beginning. What were you doing? How'd you burn your mortgage off so early? How did that come about? Yeah, the whole story. Sure. Well, I had the goal of buying a property ever since I was old, younger because my parents really instilled the importance of home ownership in, in me. And when I was younger, because they set an example for me, like they were always homeowners. They worked really hard to buy and pay for their properties. So that was kind of an inspiration for me. So maybe when other people were younger, they wanted to be like astronauts or baseball stars or ballerinas, but I wanted to be a homeowner as, as, as lame as that was. So anyways, I that was pretty much my number one goal since when I was younger there. So I got my first job and started saving towards the down payment. And um, and then, sorry, you went to, did you go to university, college? Yes, yes. So I got my first job working at like a, a supermarket and then I went to college and then university. So I went to five years of post-secondary. Okay, what'd you go to school for? Yes, I went to school for business, like business administration, yep. business yep. management there. Okay. I wish I kind of would have focused more on finance, but I, I got a good taste of everything and decided that finance was my area of interest there. Yeah, clearly with all the mortgage stuff, right? That's exactly. uh, that's kind of worked out for you. I'm one of the few people that enjoy, enjoys numbers. Yeah, okay. So, so then what was your first uh, kind of uh, big job out of uh, post-secondary? Yes, so I ended up working for a pension consulting firm, like pensions, like uh, for running pensions of, of companies, big big companies. Out you guys there. were running the Pepsi pension. Yes. Yeah, yes. I remember that because when we met, I was still at Pepsi, and uh, you were like running my pension. Yeah, I remember that now. Exactly. So yes, I did that for ended up doing that for ten years. But if we rewind a bit, I ended up working there about two, three years, and then I was able to buy my first property there. And okay, so relatively young, how old were you? Yes, I ended up buying my property when I was 27, which isn't really like, I some helping mortgage clients, sometimes I see them buying properties at 25 years old or 24 years old, but uh, yes, I bought my house at 27. I wanted to buy at 24, but it was just so competitive in the market. Like I was literally ready to buy it at 24, but I kept losing out on bidding wars in the competitive real estate market. So I definitely can feel the frustration of some people. I know about that firsthand. I, I lost out on dozens of bidding wars, but I was persistent and just kept trying and ended up um, buying my property through like a preemptive offer, or bully offer. And I worked with a a realtor who really knew the neighborhood and he even knew when properties were going to be listed before they had even hit the MLS. So having that advantage there helped me finally successfully buy a property my, myself there. So working with a, a realtor that was right, the right fit and like 
had the same style, communication style as me really helped me because when I found that real realtor, I was able to buy a house pretty much right away. Whereas with other realtors, they're nice people and all that, but it was just kind of two years of trying over and over again and failing. So yeah, it definitely yeah. helps to have the right realtor that like you have the same communication skills as well. Yeah, totally. Well, good for you for sticking it out. And this part of the reason it was so competitive was that you bought in Toronto, right? Yes, I bought in Toronto, the second most expensive. Some people call the most expensive, but Vancouver and Toronto are definitely very neck expensive. and neck. Yes, yeah. neck and neck there. So yes, I bought in Toronto and yeah, one of my strategies for buying was that I like I'm sure everybody would love to buy a property in top 10 neighborhoods, but I just couldn't afford that myself. So I ended up buying a property about 10, 15 minutes outside my desired neighborhood. It's still mm -hmm. a nice neighborhood and all that, but by just buying slightly further out, I was able to get that much more house as well. Like I only would have been able to afford like a two bedroom bungalow and I was able to afford instead a three bedroom bungalow, which made it a lot easier for renting the property as well because having that much bigger of an upstairs and and that much bigger a basement just opens up the uh, rental opportunities a lot better so yeah. definitely worked out i maybe i wish i was a like a bit uh, closer to the city there but sure but you wouldn't have the opportunity for that rental income exactly so yeah. it worked out pretty well i would say okay so then you bought it at 27 the mortgage was paid off at 30. Yes. So there's a three year stretch where a lot of stuff happened. So how are you able to do that? You're, you were 27, 28, 29 and uh, single, it was just you. Yes. So, so was that one of your strategies? You rented part of the house? Exactly. So I was just like everybody else. I was just going to buy the property and live, live, live upstairs on the main floor there. But then I ended up just watching, like I was, I was into watching the HDTV shows like like uh, property virgins and income property. And yes, I saw income property yeah. and the host, I heard the story of the host, Scott McGilvray and how he ended up like buying a property and living in the basement for like, like seven or eight years there. I was hoping I wouldn't end up living there that long. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yes, I'm just like, originally I was just gonna live upstairs, but then I'm like, I don't need three bedrooms, two bathrooms. Oh, sure, as a young house, single so. guy, it's like, yeah, all you need is like a toilet, a sink. Yeah, exactly. So I did, and then that kind of put the idea in my mind, like, why don't I just live in the basement instead? And that ended up working out pretty well because I could earn about like almost double the rent by renting out the main floor because it okay. was so much nicer than the basement. It's still a nice basement, but, but yes, sure, that strategy yeah. worked out pretty well for me. I mean, I do have some soundproof, at, headphones because it can get a bit noisy upstairs there yeah. but uh but yes well, you were making up. sacrifices to make it exactly. work right okay so you rented the upper unit to get more income so that was helping you were working your pension job what else were you doing how did you pay it off in three years because um it's it's a short amount of time so what were you doing were there were there tips and hacks to paying it off with prepayments um that you learned along the way were you doing multiple jobs how did you do it well you'll just have to pick up my book to, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. But yes, I, I do share that all of that in my book there. Uh, that's a bit of a shameless plug, but anyway, so, so yeah, what I did, obviously having extra rental income helps, but it's only maybe an extra 15, $20,000 a, a year. That's not going to pay off your mortgage in, in three years. How big there, was so. the mortgage when it started off? Yeah. So I purchased my property in Toronto for 
425,000, which you could buy a house for, for back then. Like my house is valued probably like about 1.1 million now would be just because the home prices have gone up a lot, lot. And it was like 10 years ago that I ended up bought, buying my house. So it's been quite a while there, but uh, yes, I bought it for 425 and ended up uh, with a sizable down payment of $170,000, which basically by, I just, applied the same things I was doing before when I was the, um, a homeowner. So like when I was in school, I didn't have any student debt or anything like that. I worked like three, four jobs. Like during the summer, I ended up working like full time for various companies. So, so you're able to save up some money for the down payment. Exactly. So in the summer, what I would do is basically earn enough money to pay for the entire year's worth of tuition and then extra money that I would earn at like my part-time jobs, I would just put that towards like saving towards my eventual down payment. So I was actually able to graduate with money in the bank. So then when I ended up graduating, I had my full-time job and I just kept doing the yep. side hustle jobs. Like I okay. worked as a so, personal finance journalist and earned a ton of money from doing that. There I was able to basically double my income from, from doing that oh, wow. side hustle. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you were doing while you were still burning the mortgage too. You had that side hustle. Exactly. So that enabled me to basically over double my income and that extra money. Like I just basically made lump sum payments against the mortgage and that went a hundred percent towards principal. So that's how I was able to pay off like a 25 or 30 year mortgage in only a little over three years. Okay. Are there, so is there anything that people um, might not know about prepayments that you might be able to talk to a little bit? Like you're able to pay off that much of the principal amount within three years. Does the bank have limits against how much you can pay off? Yes, yes, the, the, the bank certainly has limits, but I would say if your goal is to pay off your mortgage sooner rather than later, definitely, definitely work, uh, definitely like um, read, read the fine print of, of your mortgage because not all mortgages are created equally. Like when I was looking for a mortgage the first time I had, I just assumed that the prepay, pre, pre, prepayment privileges would be the same across the board, but that's not the case. Like some lenders, uh, like only like not to, not to dump on the banks or anything like that. No, but please, I find, please. We always do that here. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I, I find that you're actually encouraged to on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Uh, I'll try not to take <laughs> don't ruin any of your relationships like now as a mortgage broker, but, uh, the more dumping, the better. Okay. Sounds good. So yes, with the banks, they're just the most restrictive when it comes to prepayment privileges. I've seen so many of them. They only make, let you make a lump sum payment once, you, once a year, which is costly because if you have extra money that you want to putting against the mortgage, like it's just sitting in your bank account earning peanuts as opposed to being put against the mortgage balance right away and, and reducing the interest there. So I decided to work with a lender that had great prepayment privileges because they're not all, all the same. Like some of them let you maybe only put 10% of the mortgage, like make a lump sum payment of 10%, some allow 15, 20%. So that's I, annually. Yes, exactly. Annually. So I chose a lender that had really great prepayment privileges, 15% lump sum, 15% increase your payment and the ability to double up your payments. So I did all those together and basically exhausted them. And that's how I was able to pay off like a 25 or 30 year mortgage in only like a little over 
three years by implementing so, that strategy. So they didn't have the prepayment limits, and then you were also able to double your payments? Exactly. And then is there something else you mentioned there? Increase my payments by 15% as well. So you increase them, then doubled that increase yes. payment, and then also were allowed to do the lump sum payments. I, th I think the lender even wow. made a mistake and let me prepay too much, but they basically said it was their mistake, so they're not going to charge me any sort of penalty, but uh, I guess they don't have people like me that normally yeah, max out all the prepayment privileges. So that was, they, they kind of own that mistake and, and, and they, they didn't uh, charge me any penalties because it was kind of their fault for allowing me to do all that. Oh, wow. So maybe it could have been the Sean Cooper burn your mortgage in four years or five years story, eh? Yes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you obviously went into this with the goal of paying off your mortgage. Um, why was that? You just wanted to own your home free, clear. Was it the financial freedom? Were you part of like the financially independent retire early movement? What, what was your motivation? Yes, great question. So, I mean, I hadn't really heard about the whole financial independence uh, fire movement or anything like that back then. I don't know if it was as, as big back then because that was like the early, I was like around 2000 and, and uh, like 2015, 14. I guess that was out there, but I wasn't really following that myself. But I, I guess I already had that idea of financial independence, financial freedom. I mean, it's in the title of, of my book there. Yeah, you so, were motivated towards so, that. So yeah, what really motivated me to work hard and put that extra money against the mortgage wasn't just seeing the mortgage balance going down. It was basically thinking about like how great my life would be once my mortgage is paid off, like all the amazing trips that I would take and and just not having the stress of, of the mortgage as well because like it was always a stress point with my parents growing up like making the mortgage payments like losing my my mother losing her job and and wondering like stressing about how she'd make the mortgage payments so just being like a single homeowner i just didn't want to have to worry about that myself there so mm -hmm. i just wanted that stress gone but yeah just picturing all the great places that i traveled to and and i have i mean if it wasn't wasn't for the pandemic, I would have went to a lot more places, but I've almost been to 20 countries so far. And, oh, wow. and yeah, it's just great to be able to travel and, and not have like the stress about like worrying about making the mortgage payments because yeah, once you have that freed up, like the, what's really powerful is you free up all that cash flow and then you can put it towards whatever you want, like investing travel that that's really the, or, or buying another property after that. So that's really the powerful thing about paying off your uh, mortgage sooner that it really opens up so many like new opportunities for you so that's just mm -hmm. being able to live my life on on my own terms and, and not have to not have to like uh, uh, kind of uh, dedicate my life to the to the man and, yeah. and be a slave to, to exactly the mortgage. that's what really motivated me and to be able to like live my life on my own terms and not have to do the nine to five grind for the next like 25, 30 years or longer, like that's really what motivated me. Yeah. Um, you were featured in the news. You were on a bunch of news outlets for doing this. You had like a mortgage burning party, like CBC covered it, CTV. How are you, and this is something that I've noticed uh, from the outside looking in on, on what you've been up to in the past few years. You've seemed to um, have always been able to garner this media presence. You're on all these different publications, um, doing different journalism stuff and, and personal finance writing, but then you're also in all these different news outlets. And now it seems like you're a commentator on some of these news outlets. So how did you first get out there onto the news? How did you get your story out there? How did all that come about? Again, great question. I, I mean, I didn't 
start out like appearing on, on the news all at, at the beginning there i had to like work towards that so i just basically like rome wasn't built in a day you kind of have to lay the foundation for success so i just started like working for just started my own writing like started my own blog and then just um, like found op- writing opportunities and was, so so were you just reaching out to different publications like, personal finance things exactly even the newspapers and i didn't have much of a name for myself so it was kind of hard to get published at the beginning but yeah like once you get a byline and and you've written plenty of articles that's when like when you build a name for the, yourself that's when the media like starts reaching out to you so mm-hmm. like it became a, like it got to a point where instead of me reaching out to the media like they mostly would be reaching out to me instead Mm -hmm. and that's how kind of how i ended up like on the six o'clock news several times and yeah the through those relationships that's how i ended up getting my mortgage burning story on tv because the the funny thing is that's that's not originally what the cbc reporter was interviewing me for she was interviewing me for a super saver story and she was interviewing like doing a profile on five or six people who were good at saving money and then i just happened to mention my goal of paying off my mortgage as quickly as possible and then she was interested and ended up asking me a a bunch of questions about that and she said one thing led to another yeah she said i can't make you promises but we're looking to maybe turn one or, or two of these stories into a video segment for cbc's national and she said maybe get back to you in two or three days and Mm -hmm. lo and behold she ended up getting back to me and the rest was history then i ended up having i was just going to have a small party with my maybe family but then i'm like well if cbc is coming i need to have like some sort of big extravagant extravagant event so that's how i ended up having my mortgage burning party there and and then that just opened up all sorts of different opportunities like publishing a book and then then that then okay so, so yeah let's talk about that so how did the book come about that that opportunity beca- uh, came about because of the the cbc thing exactly like i like to call it the cbc effect like once you're on cbc it opens up a lot more opportunities for you because yeah like once i was on cbc all the different media outlets uh, because it's so widely broadcast they all reached out to me like all the other big networks like CTV and global, they, they all reached in. It's, it's, yeah. Once somebody gets like whiff of a news story, everyone just pounces on it. Right. Exactly. So they can like, share the same thing. Yeah. Once I was on CBC, like I got so many different media requests from these other mm-hmm. stations there. And my plan was to basically enjoy my life and rest. Cause I'd been working so hard, but then like I, I mentioned that I was interested in writing a book and then the nice reporter at CBC, Sophia Harris, she's like the, if you write a book, like we want to be the first ones to cover it. So I, I thought, well, I'm not going to have an opportunity like this. Like it's kind yeah. of once in a lifetime where yeah, a big yeah, network yeah. wants to like promote my book for, for free, basically. So I was less, just like, I would be foolish not to yeah, write a book. You gotta book, make so. a while the sun shines, right? Exactly. So then after working hard for like th- three three <laughs> yeah. years, then I sat down and worked hard for almost another two years. For the like next writing. decade. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then wrote the book. I mean, it was, I like to joke that like writing a book was a great experience, but it's probably like. No, it sounds terrible. <laughs> it, it, it's like being, it's almost like being the president of the U.S. It probably like ages you twice as fast. So, oh, it but sounds terrible. If I'm so. losing my hair more quickly, it's probably because of the book that I wrote, but I'm yeah. just kidding. So then, so how did you, um, how did you find the time to do it? Were you still working at the pension place and still doing your side hustle, personal finance stuff? 
and then, and then also writing the book. So how did you structure your day? Were you doing the book stuff like an hour every morning type of thing? Exactly. So I'd wake up early yeah. and, and work in, in the morning, like for a wake up like five, six AM and start working on that. And then I go in and do the nine to five grind and then maybe work a bit in the evening there. So yeah, I held on to my full-time job until the book came out, but then it just became, it just became too much. And really a, a wake up moment for me was that like, I set myself the goal of, of, of traveling a lot, but then it had been like a couple of years after I paid off my mortgage and I didn't really, like I went to San Francisco and like another couple of places, but I really didn't like, hadn't even been to Europe or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm, and I only had pretty limited vacation. Like I could maybe only had like three weeks off if I was lucky and maybe I could take like a, a week at most, but that's not enough time to really go on like a trip to Europe or anything like that. So I just came to a point where I, I just wanted, like I, the whole point of paying off my mortgage early was so that I could live life on my own terms. And I just found mm-hmm. too restricted, like it was too restrictive um, in the nine to five. And I was also missing out on opportunities as well because like I had to be at work during those times. And there were like TV appearances and other things I was missing out on because I just couldn't do them since I had to be at my job during mm-hmm. those hours and, and other meetings and opportunities and events. So, so yeah, that was just kind of a, I just came to a decision where it was just the, the right time. Like once my book came out, it was just kind of the right time to leave my nine to five job and then go off on, on my own and become a mortgage broker. So was that the idea with the book to be the launching pad to then become an independent mortgage broker and to leverage your publicity to then start your business? Was was the mortgage thing something you became passionate about? And you know, I'm sure while you learned how to pay off your own thing, like how did, how did that all, because it seems, I know it's probably well engineered, like uh, this sequence of events. So is that what you, know, you kind of did? The, the funny thing is, I guess if I, wasn't being truthful, I could say that it was, but in reality, like I kind of am somebody that I definitely like the plan, but I generally just kind of go with the flow. Like I didn't know my mortgage burning story was going to end up on CBC. I was just doing it more for, for myself there. And I didn't know it would turn into a book opportunity. So like originally I, I didn't plan to use it as a launching pad mm-hmm. to become a mortgage professional. But yeah, like I said, just not being able to, to travel and, and seeing this as a good opportunity. Cause so, like when I, wrote the book I like it, it got such a good reception people reaching out to me and I got like countless emails and, and people just saying that were they enjoyed the book a lot were you getting extra exposure because of all those contacts you had made in the personal finance world it, 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 exactly and people literally were asking me to like help them with their mortgage and I wasn't licensed at that point in time and at the oh, beginning so, I, so it was just the obvious decision like exactly it was just like all the stars were kind of yeah. aligning. I want to live life on my own terms. I want to be doing my own thing. And everyone's asked me about mortgages. And-, and I would rather help them myself because I tried referring people to like other mortgage professionals and they just didn't have the same like styles. Like I'm, I, I'm more like all about educating people. I don't come up from a sales background and all that. And I just found that like when I referred people, they just weren't kind of getting the best, like the, the, the kind of, they, they weren't um, like more educational mm-hmm. like me and more sales pitch sure. and I don't enjoy that. So that's kind of why I, I tried that at first, but uh, that I just thought like, I might as well help them myself because I know how, like, I know what I like myself and what I don't like. And, and sometimes it's easier to do it yourself. Yeah, totally. So the people that were approaching you, was their main focus paying off their mortgage early as well? And they wanted your specific advice on how to do that. 
Yeah, so some people, some people definitely, but I guess with the whole burn your mortgage, it's not necessarily like paying off your mortgage as quickly as possible because my philosophy has kind of changed on that over the years because yeah, for a lot of people, like for some people that, um, some people that are similar to me that maybe don't have ambitions to buy other properties and just want to get rid of their their, their mortgage there, it might make sense. But thinking back, I perhaps didn't do the smartest thing. Like I could have built a lot more wealth by like leveraging the equity in my property for like investment purposes for like buying like stocks and bonds and buying other properties there. So, so yeah, thinking like hindsight's 2020, like going back, like perhaps it wasn't the smartest thing to to do it that way, but I can't really complain. I mean, I have my mortgage paid off and, and I'm sure like you accomplished your goal. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure like yourself being a real estate investor, there's things that you know now that you wish that you knew at the beginning of your journey there. So same thing, same thing with, with, with me there. So, so yeah, definitely people were approaching me that wanted to pay off their mortgage sooner, but I'm quite like the, the, the funny thing is this, the social media gal that I work with now, she's trying to convince me to write a book on why you shouldn't necessarily pay off your mortgage. So I'm I'm not you there yet. You should do it. But, That's part uh, two. Don't burn your mortgage. <laughs> I'm waiting for my six-figure book deal. So if there's any book publishers listening, then definitely drop me a line. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. The book publisher. Uh, so where did this opportunity come from? A publisher approached you after seeing your, your article? Like, how do you start? How do you launch your own book? Because there's a ton of entrepreneurs who, that listen to this podcast, real estate investors who are experts in their subject matter. And a book, um, you know, can really put you out there like it has for you and, and kind of launch your business or or grow your business or your marketing and and just get your name and face out there as the the expert on your subject matter. So how did you work with the publisher? What was that process like? Yes, great, great question again. So you kind of have two, like there's two kind of avenues that you go like option number one is self-publishing. Option number two is through like a traditional publisher. So I explored both of those avenues and decided to go the self-publishing route for a couple main reasons because like I, I spoke with, so I would say if you're considering doing anything, definitely like speak with people who have done it already and who are successful mm-hmm. because that really helped me. Like if I just tried to learn all this stuff on my own, I would have learned the hard way and made a ton of mistakes along the way. Yeah. So, so speaking with like my, all my author friends that I knew, like for example, one author told me that he wrote the book and then the publisher basically didn't like half of it. And he had to like basically throw out half the, the manuscript and like, like rewrite half the book. And he didn't really want to do that. But I mean, they called the shots at the end of the day because they're the book publisher and another published author like they're putting ad advertisements for like other people's books and and her book and and she didn't really like that there so just i would be afraid that and also also like the book publisher is able to basically choose everything right down to the finest details the title of your book like what the cover looks like and and all that there and so you lose a lot of the control over the the finished product exactly i mean what's the advantage of working with one then I mean, the advantage is that they have like a whole team supporting you and, and you don't necessarily need to, um, they, like if you're, I would say if you're starting out at the beginning of writing a book, I mean, you're not really at, at the point of them giving you some huge advance or anything like that. But I mean, if you're a successful like author, then they, they can 
offer you can make some, some decent money from writing a book but most people aren't in that position mm-hmm. there so so yeah like i guess you kind of have to know like what the main goal of writing the book is like for mm-hmm. me it was just providing great information and using it at like originally this wasn't the goal but it, it's kind of like the next step up from like a business card that i would say so i decided to go the self-publishing route just to have greater control and be able to mm-hmm. put out like my vision and that's definitely the vision of the book that i would have written and yeah, i did have to pay for these costs up front but i definitely think it was worth it because if i had went through a traditional publisher it probably wouldn't look anything like this or have the title that i wanted so mm-hmm. so so yeah just having that creative control i definitely would say is is worth it uh and and i didn't there, there's different levels like when people hear self-publishing they 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 think maybe it's just like all self-publishing is the same but it's not true like self-publishing you can do everything yourself but what i did was i outsourced like a lot of the stuff like like basically the book design the art design and I had a whole team supporting me so like it took kind of a hands-off approach and it really helped so the self-publishing route you um uh you were you were just saying that you went down that route because yes just because of the creative control like being able to write the books on the be able to like everything i do is about being able to do things on on my own terms and and i wanted the book experience to be that as well i didn't want to be basically writing a book and then having the publisher change like 50 percent or more of it so yeah it was definitely worth it uh doing it that way okay and now how do you transition from the book um to then marketing the book and um becoming a mortgage broker connecting the two using it as a marketing platform for for your mortgage broker business yeah like i said originally when i wrote the book that wasn't the intention but then all the things came kind of came together and I just woke up one day and it just seemed like the natural, the na- uh, natural next step in, in everything there. So in terms of marketing the book, that's a, a great point that you made, Anthony, because like when you write a book, you can't just put it out there and expect it to sell off bookshelves. You have to definitely come up with a marketing strategy there. So like I had a marketing team that I worked with and we came up with like promotional videos and and book events and websites and, and all that there i would i would say just try to be careful with your marketing spend because i did spend money on advertising like 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 the social media websites and all that and you can spend a ton of money on that and i just kind of found it hard to measure the success of that mm-hmm. so what i would say is and you can also hire people for public re- relations but I would just say like before you go crazy and spend like tens of thousands of dollars just think about like what the return will be because because yeah you can literally spend like tens of thousands of of dollars and some of these activities like give you a lot higher return than than others there so definitely be careful and just ask yourself like maybe how many books I might be able to sell at the end of the day from this and kind of do the math ahead of time before you spend thousands of dollars on all this stuff here because like I said you can spend a ton of money and and some things are are like some marketing things are are more like kind of successful and and helpful than others I would say so just kind of be careful and just plan and, and and ask yourself is it actually going to help you like sell a ton of books because it mm-hmm. might be exciting what's the direct result of these advertising dollars exactly because yeah like all these people 
want to help you, but you're the one spending the money at the end of the day if you decide to go the self-publishing route. So definitely, definitely ask yourself those. That, that now, if you go with a publisher, uh, do they have a marketing team to help you launch your book? Yeah, yes, they do. But from speaking with my my author friends, uh, a lot of them ended up doing their own marketing on top of that because it, really, yeah. it was really limited in terms of the marketing that they would do. And to be honest, like maybe there's exceptions to the rule, but they just didn't find it helpful at all. Like it's, it's barely anything. You're pretty much on your own. So they ended up doing their own marketing. So in theory, <laughs> it sounds great to have a, a publisher, but in reality, like, like if you love your book the most at the end of the day. So, yeah. so like, and, and, and yeah, so yeah. You, you really need to get out there and, and sell books and, and it's a tough gig for authors. I've walked into chapters several times and they have the author there, you know, with the little table set up and they're selling their newly released book and you know, they're trying to flag people down to tell them about their book. And I'm like, yes, ah, I, I did just trying to like avoid them so I can go in for what I came for. And you just kind of feel bad. Like it's a tough gig. Yes. I did that myself. I <laughs> yeah. did that a few times and that was, that was enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I used to sell Canadian Tire credit cards. So I'd be the guy that goes up to you in, in Canadian Tire and pitch you on this credit card you really don't need and try to get you to fill out an application. And it, it was just like the same process these people were doing, but for selling books. And I was like, oh man, I've been there. I know I try to avoid those people, unfortunately, but I think I'll maybe be a bit nicer to them after you mentioned that. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, it was a tough gig, man, but I liked it. Um, so now you've transitioned full-time into, into being a mortgage broker. What are some of the lessons you've learned about being an entrepreneur, about the transition? You know, you actually mentioned earlier how if, if uh, you could go back, you might've leveraged the equity instead of uh, burning it off. But at the same time, like I look at your story, I'm like, you paying off your mortgage was the launching pad for all of this, for now living life on your terms, being an entrepreneur, having control over you know, your own schedule and all this stuff. And really it gave you the freedom to be able to do that too, because you didn't have the biggest uh, expense that most people have over their heads, which is housing. So, you know, there's pros and cons to everything and leveraging it might've allowed you to get into real estate and all these other investments, but you could also still be on a bit of a treadmill, you know, like, but you, you paid off your bad debt, you know, like us as investors, we always use, you know, good debt, bad debt, the whole rich dad, poor dad thing. And, um, but you paid off your bad debt, which is debt you're paying for, you know, you don't have a tenant like paying that debt. Uh, down for you or whatever. So your story is interesting because I, you know, I, I definitely, I know you look back now, you're like, I could have leveraged it, but at the same time, like look at everything else. Right. So what is life like for you now? You've, you've still got the house paid off. Are you still living there? Are you in the basement? Yes. Um, sadly, I'm still in, in the basement. I <laughs> celebrated my 10 years of owning the property and like hopefully in the next year or two, I will move out of the basement, but I guess I kind of have it set up the way that I like it. But yes, the plan is to eventually move out of the, the basement there. But yes, definitely, like I like to take lessons from all parts of my life. So the great thing about pension consulting is like, I just didn't want to work nine to five and anymore, but because we had like billable time and we had to track every, basically every minute of our, our day, that really taught me to be like, focused and and as an entrepreneur because like if you're not disciplined you could literally just watch funny cat videos on youtube and do no work all day so it really taught me to be like focused and disciplined and to work hard and and that that's really like that's, that's really uh, something that you need like when you're going to be running your own business because you don't have a boss kind of like you mm -hmm. don't have like goals and other stuff like that unless you set them for for yourself because you're running all that yourself so mm -hmm. that definitely was uh helpful for me and also having like i would say it 
if you want to get into like a new industry, like definitely get some experience, like working for a company in that industry before you go and start a business, because you want to kind of understand the ins and outs of doing that. And, and, uh, like becoming a mortgage broker myself, it helped having like a great mentor because if I didn't have a, like the, the amazing mentor that, that I had, um, as becoming a new mortgage broker, I wouldn't have been successful as I am. So definitely having like somebody uh, that is there to answer questions and mm-hmm. be a mentor for you and help help teach you because yes, definitely just taking the course to become a mortgage broker. It's basically just like pa- passing like senior kindergarten or, or grade one. Like it doesn't teach you all the important other interpersonal skills and how to actually pick up the phone and, and speak with clients. So Definitely, definitely having a great mentor that mm-hmm. you can like job. Did you join a and, team then when you first started? Yes, and and the funny thing is like the everything in my life kind of almost always comes full circle. Kind of even like us, like me having you on a, as a guest on, on my podcast, and the, you inviting me as a guest on your podcast here. But yes, like the funny thing is the real estate, the mortgage brokerage I ended up working for. I had actually been hired to do some writing work for them. So that's how I knew them. And mm-hmm. they were just like the, a, a natural, like first, first mm-hmm. group to reach out to. And yeah. I definitely spoke with a few mortgage brokerages and they just seemed like the best fit there. Like the, um, the overhead costs, I could kind of keep it reasonable. And because some of these mortgage brokerages, like they, wanted like I'd pretty much be in the whole like with all the fees and everything I'd be losing like two thousand dollars a month and then it's still up to me to make the phone ring so I just didn't want being a new like business owner I would just say like be careful with your fixed expenses at the beginning because yeah some of this stuff can get out of hand like at the end so of you're the- saying you would be negative two grand a month that's based on the fees to be and, a mortgage broker and and yeah that would have like some of these like to be registered with the brokerage yeah, like you just have to be careful with some of these extra fees with the different brokerages. I just like how the overhead cost was reasonable with the brokerage that I was joining because, yeah, like I didn't want to go yeah. from the nine to five grind to then having the pressure to like sign up people for mortgages or else I'm going to lose $2,000 a month. I mean, that doesn't really seem like a fun way. Yeah, you're like, I just paid off my damn mortgage. Exactly. (laughs) I don't want another two grand hanging over my head. Exactly. So yeah, that's just like a a mortgage on on its own there. So yes, I went with a, like it with all, I would say for any business owner, just be careful with like your expenses and try to like try to pay your expenses kind of on an hourly basis or rather than like having these fixed costs because these fixed costs can really add up and then they just put like a lot more pressure on on yourself there like that's kind of what i've done with help that i've hired like it uh, just it's kind of like been on an hourly basis instead of instead of just uh like having huge fixed costs that out to two thousand dollars a month like that definitely not something that uh, mm-hmm. something I kind of had to learn like uh, by just speaking with several brokerages there. Yeah. Well, another lesson of yours about taking the pressure off it seems to be a recurring theme here where you're taking the pressure off yourself and you can think more clearly, more calmly. You can make better decisions with more integrity because you're not chasing dollars because you have financial payments to make every month. It's, it's just, I think a powerful place to be in, in your life. No, that's very, that's very well said. And also it makes me a better mortgage broker because some of these mortgage brokers, like a lot of them may feel 
pressured to sign up people for mortgages that they don't necessarily need. Whereas like myself, I am in the financial position mm-hmm. where I have my house paid off and I don't have like a, I don't have like $2,000 a month in fixed costs that I need to cover there. So I pretty much like, I pretty much say it how it is and tell people the truth. And I'm, I'm not going to pressure somebody to sign up for a mortgage that doesn't make sense for them just because I need to pay the bills there. Like if it doesn't make sense for somebody to buy right now, I'm not going to try to convince them mm-hmm. other ways. I, I, I like to be a, a straight shooter and honest, and I, that's how I would want to be treated myself. So that's the yeah. way that I treat my clients. And, and yeah, just not having that pressure over my head there, I just think makes me a better mortgage broker overall. And I just like the fact that I'm an independent mortgage broker. Like I don't work for like a specific bank or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I have 50 different lenders that I work with. So just having that independence and being able to being able to offer all those different options. How do you get relationships with all the different lenders when first starting out? Is that something that like you become a mortgage broker and automatically you have access to all these different lending programs and stuff? Yes, great, great, great question. So like depends on the mortgage broker uh, brokerage that you work with. Generally speaking, like all mortgage brokers have access to like the same lenders there, but maybe some mortgage brokerages have access to like exclusive relationships with different mm-hmm. lenders there. So yes, definitely working for one of the bigger mortgage brokerages means that I have access to lenders that like some smaller teams may not have access to. So mm-hmm. I, I don't need to, luckily all of the relationships are already built and, and I'm able to submit directly to the lenders there. But yeah, that's the benefit of working with like a, a, a bigger like national brokerage. The fact that I have access to like a, even more like lenders than mm-hmm. like a smaller, smaller brokerage uh, would, would have. Of course, I have need to manage these relationships well and, and uh, be professional with the my clients and the, the brokerages there. But definitely having more lenders just means more options for my clients so that I can offer them like I, I, I like better for sure. Exactly. So it's a win win. Like it's, it, it helps everyone mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Okay. So now have you, uh, come true to your uh, original goals of traveling more? Are you, are you living life in your terms or in business building mode? So are you managing to still relax and travel and do everything you want to do while still building your business? Yes. Yes. I, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have traveled to like we were, we were saying earlier, I probably would have been to like, so how many, how many weeks a year are you traveling now? Yes. Yeah, so I guess it, it really, it really depends because I've only gone back to traveling recently just because sure. of the whole pandemic situation. But before the pandemic, I was traveling probably like taking a trip to Europe or the U S like every, maybe like three months or, or so, maybe two, three months. So I'm planning to get back to that. And I've, I've taken like, I, I've taken some trips. I went back to Europe for the first time in like over three years there, which was nice. So mm. I visited Denmark and Germany and, and Sweden and Norway. So that was definitely one of the, the best trips there. And I also purchased this really cool wooden map where you can like put pins in, in yeah, yeah. all the places that you've yeah. been. So it just helps motivate me and visualize it and all that. And it's a good conversation starter. So yeah, just being able to start traveling again. And I just can't wait to visit different parts of the world. Like, like I haven't been to, I've only been to Europe and North America. I haven't been to like South, Southeast Asia or Asia or anything like that there. So just visiting some of the other parts of the world, I'm excited to 
to be doing that because yeah, yeah like i kind of took things for granted before the pandemic i could i just thought oh i could just hop on a plane anytime but mm -hmm. just having that happen where we can't really travel at all really kind of helped me prioritize and push up certain life goals so <laughs> yeah, get it in while you can exactly like with with these bucket list trips like good for you man because you never know what life's gonna throw at you so exactly like my uncle is is constantly an inspiration for me like he waited until he was like sick in his 60s to travel and he went on this nice trip to to europe and then and then like he got back and, and then he found out he had cancer and like ah, passed shit. away like less than a, a a month later after that amazing Jesus. trip so just having things like that and also like mm -hmm. my father has Parkinson's disease and he was going to take all these trips, but he's too sick to travel. He can barely do anything anymore. So I definitely like what I would say is don't wait too long. Like certainly don't take on all this debt to go travel and do trips that you can't afford. But I would definitely say like, if I could speak to a younger version of myself, I would just try to get more balance and, and rather than like not traveling at all, just kind of try to balance things a bit more because like, yeah, like you can't, take your your health and and life for, for for granted there and definitely take good care of yourself like your health especially because many people take their health for granted and no matter who you are like you could be the richest person in, in the world if you get sick and 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 like maybe like no money in the world can save you so definitely take good care of, of yourself there because like our our health matters so much so definitely definitely like eat healthy and live a healthy lifestyle because it really helps like you be able to live life on your own terms because if you're sick then you can't travel and and like run your own business and you won't have the good energy to do that so definitely like healthy mind and healthy body like definitely take good care of yourself it, it's so important to do that mm -hmm. yeah great motivation man i'm ending this podcast i'm booking a flight and uh <laughs> going for a run man that's great motivation um sean Thank you for sharing your story. It's, it's really cool how you've been able to pay off your debt and uh, take that pressure off like we were talking about. And you're clearly living life on your terms at still a young age. How old are you now? <laughs> Do I really need to say why? Uh, if you're not comfortable, I just, you're a young guy, so I thought I would share it, but we don't have to say it. You're still a young guy. And uh, it's it's very cool what I'm, you've been able to I'm, do. I'm 37, if you want to know. 37. There we go. So, um, very cool stuff, man. Where can people um, learn more about you? Maybe check out some of your blogs and stuff. Um, where can people go? And and do we want to? Yeah. We're, so we'll do a book giveaway. So Sean's brought in 10 of his books. Uh, Burn your mortgage: The Simple Powerful Path to Financial Freedom for Canadians. So we've got 10 books at the office. So if you email members at rockstarbrokerage.com, uh, the first 10 people can come by the Rockstar office here in Oakville and uh, pick up a copy of the book. So thank you for that, Sean. And uh, my pleasure. Yeah. So where can people go to find out more? Yeah. So you can find copies of, of my book on online, like on Amazon, as well as the chapters Indigo website. And also I am restarting my own podcast. So it was just a bit uh, hectic over the last while. So I I'm going to be restarting my podcast. It's called the burn your mortgage podcast. So that should be coming out in the next like two to three months. I just kind of, uh, what I've learned as an entrepreneur is just outsource as many things as possible because I was just trying to do all those things myself. So I have an editing team that's going to be helping me with that there. I can't promise it's going to be as professional as this here, but you definitely set the bar high. But uh, yes, people could check out my podcast as well. And I have like a, I have like a, a newsletter as well. So just visit like visit burnyourmortgage.ca and you can find all of that great stuff there. And uh, also an independent mortgage broker. So that's how you can 
get in contact with me, but I have a lot of great free content that you can check out there. Awesome. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for doing this interview. Okay. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So a big thank you to Sean Cooper for coming in and sharing his story. We have 10 copies of his book, Burn Your Mortgage, The Simple, Powerful Path to Financial Freedom for Canadians, available for the first 10 people to email members at rockstarbrokerage.com. You can come by and claim one of those copies of the book at the Rockstar Real Estate Office here in Oakville, Ontario. We'll have them at the front desk. So the first 10 people to email members at rockstarbrokerage.com can claim one of these books. And uh, thank you again, Sean, for coming in. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next show or at the Your Life, Your Terms event if you're going to be there. So thanks for listening. Take care.